welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Let me just remind you briefly of where we have come in talking about the nature of God. We've said that God is, first of all, a being. That is, He is separate from creation. He is not the creation. He is a being separate from it. We've also said that He's living or alive. It's God's character in contrast to the idols of the world to be alive. He is infinite. That is, God in His attributes is absolutely unlimited by anything except His own character. And He is spirit. That is, He is immaterial. God is by nature spirit, Christ tells us. And therefore, we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We learned that He is a person, not in the sense that we use the words person in the nature of Trinity, but He's personal. That is, he is not distant. He's not the God of the deist who sort of was the master clock winder, wound up the world, left it alone, and has gone somewhere, and someday he'll come back to check on it. Instead, he is personal. He interacts with his world in a personal way. And then finally, we're noting, and we began this last time, that God is Trinity. God is Trinity. Let me just remind you of what we discussed last time about the nature of the Trinity. We said, when you look at the Scripture, when you look at the data that the Bible provides us, the, the the idea of the Trinity is never developed in a given paragraph. It's not like there is a certain paragraph that sets out to declare to us exactly what the being of God is in Trinity. We'll We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, why that is. But what we do find in Scripture are three basic Suppositions are propositions. They are, first of all, that God is one. Secondly, that Christ is God, or we could say that the Spirit is God. We could use either one. And then finally, that Christ or the Spirit are distinct from the Father. Again, either one, either Christ or the Spirit could be used in this argument. But God is one, Christ is God, Christ is distinct from the Father. He is not the same as the Father. That is where the doctrine of the Trinity comes from. That, those suppositions are definitely, distinctly found in the Scriptures we'll look at tonight. And out of that, we formulate the doctrine of the Trinity. Another form of this argument is that God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. The biblical data support those basic suppositions. Now, with that in mind, we said, what is the Trinity not? It's not tritheism. You recognize the word tri for three? Theism or theos, meaning God, three gods. The Trinity does not mean that there are three gods. Instead, there's only one God. This has not been a very common view in the history of the church, but there have been some who have held it. They really aren't Christians at that point. They are polytheists. They believe in more than one God. A second form of wrong teaching about the Trinity that 
is not uncommon that some Christians sort of have in their minds, they don't really believe this or they don't really fall in in the realm of Christian, but they're influenced by this and they tend to think of God in this way. And that is a modalistic way, according to modes. You see the word mode in there? They think of one God simply demonstrating himself in different modes, if you will, wearing three different hats. So there's one God, and there's not three persons. Instead, it depends on how you look at that one God. As it were, from this side you see Father, and from this side over here you see Son, and from the side over there you see Spirit. And it varies based on the role that God is playing. He puts on a different hat, if you would, or a different mask to play the role of either Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, but there's just one God and one person. That's modalism. The third false view of the Trinity that's been, unfortunately, very common in the history of the church is subordinationism. This says that only the Father is, in essence, God, and Christ and the Spirit are created and are somehow subordinate. For example, this is what Arius taught. Arianism, you've heard that word probably. It's an ancient heresy. demonstrates itself in a variety of ways today. Um, But essentially you have one person in God that's truly God and the others, Christ and the Spirit, are created and subordinate. Those are wrong views. So then we said, okay, well, if those are wrong views, what exactly is the nature of Trinity? We made three basic statements. First of all, God is one in his essential being or his constitutional nature, his essence, is a word that theologians use. In that one divine being, there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we developed this a little bit last time, and let me just remind you that when we talk about persons, what we mean are three distinct centers of consciousness in God. In other words, the Father, Son, and the Spirit all knew about the cross. But the Father and the Spirit never thought to themselves, I will die on the cross. Only the Son thought that. So there is one divine being, but there are three distinct centers of consciousness in the divine being who is God. And then the essence of God belongs equally to each of those three persons. In other words, they are all God. They all share the same attributes and the same qualities, if you will. So that's what the Trinity is. Then we started to say, okay, well, if that's true, it should be in the Scripture. So what does the Scripture say? We started by looking last time at sort of some Old Testament intimations. The Trinity isn't clearly set forth in the Old Testament, but... The doctrine is there in seed form. I gave you the illustration of B.B. Warfield who said it's like going into a room that's beautifully decorated but where the lights are incredibly low. And you walk in and everything is there but you can only see it faintly. You don't really get the full grandeur and glory of the room. Eventually someone comes in and turns up the light and then you see it. But nothing new is added to the room. You now just see it clearly. That's how it is between the Old Testament and the New Testament when you talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. The New Testament just turns on the light where you can see what was always there. But the hints of it were there. The intimations of it were there in the Old Testament. We said there's several of these. First of all, 
There's some plural pronouns and plural verbs. Let us, God says, make man in our image. And also there's some plural verbs where God speaks to himself in the plural form. We won't go back over that. We looked at the word Elohim. And you can get the tape if you want to go into that in a little more detail. Let me just give you a couple more of Old Testament intimations, and then we'll move to the the New Testament. Plural forms of creator and maker. Let me just give you one of these, and then I'll I'll, um, tell you about a couple of others. Turn to Job. Job chapter 35. Again, these are just hints of the reality of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Job 35 Verse 10, what you're going to see in these verses is God is referred to as creator or maker, and in Hebrew, the word for creator or maker is plural. Makers, creators. You see it in verse 10, but no one says, where is God, my, and it's plural, makers in Hebrew. In Psalm 149, you see, and this will be the only other one I'll look at with you. In Psalm 149, you see the same point made. Verse 2, Psalm 149, 2, Let Israel be glad in his maker, plural, in his makers. Again, there's just this hint that something is going on that we, we don't really fully see yet. Something surprising. Why is it plural? A couple of other of those you can jot in your notes. Ecclesiastes 12.1 and Isaiah 54.5. All of those verses use these plural forms of creator and maker. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. And be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchor. Amen.